This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, July 23rd. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, San Miguel sees COVID uptick, the transfer warehouse reimagined, one-stop shop for local trails, and a mountain weather forecast. San Miguel County has seen an uptick in COVID cases recently, with eight residents testing positive over the last four days. We do have a current positivity rate of over 15%. It is concerning, right? That's an alarming um, shift. That's San Miguel County Public Health Director Grace Franklin. Technically, that positivity rate puts San Miguel in level red on the state's COVID dial. But Franklin notes it's important to look at that number in context. Six cases really isn't that much in the grand scheme of things, especially what um, we've managed over the winter. Um, And then the other piece is positivity rate can be an indicator of two different things. The first one is how much disease is actually in the community. The second one, which I think is really the telling piece here, is how, how much we're testing the community at large. She says while testing related to small outbreaks across the county is rooting out more positive cases, testing as a whole in San Miguel isn't going up. Folks, overall, a new trend is like people are like, well, there's allergies or it's just a head cold rate. It's going back to that old rhetoric of I'm just a little bit sick and it's okay. And that's not true, right? Even if you have a severe headache or um, a mild cold, that should be a cause for concern and you should go and get tested. Franklin says with the Delta variant, the main strain of COVID in the U.S. and Colorado, everyone should be paying more attention. We know that it transmits more easily. We're also seeing that increase of unvaccinated people where the virus really is running through in a much more aggressive way than we've seen previously. Still, she says it's a balance between encouraging vaccination and recognizing individual choice. It's really important to remember that Um, everybody has a choice, right? And you really do have to question and make the right choice for you. Um, So if uh, for those who haven't gotten vaccinated yet, um, the question is, what reliable sources can you review to better understand the situation, better answer the questions that you still have? And then if you choose not to get vaccinated, um, how can you continue to protect yourself knowing that disease rates are still fairly high across the U.S.? They're not um, skyrocketing, but they're significant enough that um, living life as a pre-pandemic style is not going to fly for those that are unvaccinated. And at the same time, Franklin urges individuals to stay kind. As a whole, we're stronger together and each of us alone um, add up to this greater whole, right? Um, I I would caution, though, is that throughout all of this, um, there's been a lot of unknowns. There's been a lot of intense feelings as a a community. um, And we need to go forward with kindness regardless of how we go. And that's through transparency, right? Being honest with one another, having those tough conversations about what you're comfortable with and what other people are comfortable with. And... um, coming from a place of curiosity rather shame and blame because regardless of how different people's choices impact us how we respond as well do franklin says those wanting to get more information about the vaccine should contact their medical provider and have the conversation vaccines are available at both the telluride regional medical center and the uncompagre medical center
The transfer warehouse is getting reimagined and looking to stay somewhat the same. If what we do can be quiet to what's already there, I think that's a win for everybody. It's a win for us as designers, and it's a win for the community. Because basically, the warehouse, the transfer warehouse, the space, the building itself, or the walls is just a fantastic spot. So the quieter we can be to that, then we've done our job. That's Tom Kundig, owner-principal at Olsen Kundig Architects. Kundig is the new architect designing the remodel of the transfer warehouse. The original concept for the warehouse was a multi-level sculptural extravaganza, a building within a building full of exhibition spaces, production rooms, and art galleries. But COVID showed new possibilities for what the transfer warehouse could be. As a result, the Telluride Arts District, which owns the warehouse, is going back to the drawing board. When it comes to Kundig's design, which hasn't come into full fruition yet, he says the most important thing is to let the space be the space. The worst possible um, miss would be to not embrace the space that's already there at some at some level. Um, the walls, the openings opening to the sky, the way it in, uh, the way you are um, invited into the space. Those are the real drivers of a, of any architecture that make um, that have meaning over the lifespan of that architecture. He notes he's heard from the community how important and special the space is. It's a feeling he can relate to. He remembers the first time he stepped into the warehouse. It blew me away. It almost, almost, and this is an overstatement maybe, but it almost reminded me of, of like walking into Central Park where there's all of a sudden, there's this big opening. It's just almost like you breathe easily. Felt like a, a courtyard that you might expect um, in Barcelona along the Rambles. I'd never seen that um, really in a North American city. The formal design is yet to come, but Kundig says he wants to further the building's legacy. The rock walls are really fantastic. Now, you got you to gotta look at those rock walls. And personally, I like looking at something like that. And I look at the engineering, uh, when it was built, who built it, how it was built. Um, and I find um, there's a historical kind of embodied poetry to that wall because it's not only physically beautiful, but it's culturally beautiful because it's sort of telling, it, not sort of, it's telling a story of Telluride and it's carrying that legacy forward. And it, uh, with our work, we'll carry it even further. The Telluride Arts District is hosting a kickoff on phase two of the capital campaign to restore the warehouse next month. The district plans to begin construction on the building in 2023. The Wasatch, Deep Creek, Bridal Veil Basin, there is no shortage of hiking trails in the Telluride region. And now they're collected in one place. Well, at least a lot of them. For me, I like going, when I go to a different place, I like finding trails that are pretty easy to find. Like sometimes I want to go really explore, but sometimes I just want to go out for a day hike and go out for a beer after and not go on a big, you know, expedition adventure. That's Joan May. She realized Telluride didn't have a one-stop shop for finding trails, so she decided to create one. What if we make a map that only has legal jurisdictional trails that have trailhead markers, and that way people who are visiting can find, you know, the easiest to use, best laid out trails around here so that they don't get lost. 
May teamed up with local organizations to help develop a comprehensive trails map, showing all the official trails in the area. Local map maker and graphic designer Tor Anderson created the map with input from organizations like the U.S. Forest Service, the Mountain Club, Sheep Mountain Alliance, and the towns of Telluride and Mountain Village. It basically goes from the town of Telluride to the north um, to Lizard Head Pass to the south, and then from Bridalville Falls to the east, basically to the Deep Creek Trail to the west. So it's just that area. While the map isn't nearly inclusive of all the trails that exist in the region, May says they intentionally went for the official trails. We have a lot of trails around here that people have just built because they felt like it, um, or they used to be old mining roads or something like that, and people improved it. But there's nobody... Um, maintaining those trails. May notes while anyone can use the map, it is geared towards visitors. But that doesn't mean she's trying to dissuade tourists from trying out less maintained trails. The idea isn't necessarily to keep our secret trails secret. Um, and it's also not to keep people from going and exploring. I mean, people are welcome to do to go explore. Um, and it's not my goal to keep secret trails secret or to disperse or concentrate trails. It's just basically saying, if you're looking for a real trail that's marked, where you might not, well, you'll have less chance of getting lost because there's actual trail signs on it, here they are. And in addition to the trail maps themselves, there's also information about trail etiquette. I think a lot of people don't know that you shouldn't pick wildflowers and you shouldn't build rock cairns. You should as they say, leave only footprints and take only photographs. Anyone with feedback on the trails map can contact May at joan at joanmay.org. The map is available to view at telluride.com slash hiking trails. June is the official Pride Month across the U.S., but that doesn't mean rainbows and queer representation has to end once we hit July, and Ure is taking it to heart. This weekend, the first-ever Ure County Pride Parade will take to the streets in Ridgeway. The youth-run event is hosted by Voyager Youth Programs and the Safer, More Affirming Communities Coalition. It will feature live performances by the Van Dyke family and Winnie B. and Bug-Eyed. There will be an open mic and spoken word poetry with t-shirt painting, art, educational booths, and food. The parade is free, however, donations will go to LGBTQIA2S plus youth programs in the area. The Ure County Pride Parade is open to all ages and alcohol and substance free. It will take place this Sunday, July 25th at the Hartwell Park in Ridgeway from 4 to 8 p.m. We've all had that moment where you're biking down the road and your chain pops off. But what do you do? This weekend, the Wilkinson Public Library will host a fix-it clinic to learn how to fix all sorts of small bike problems on bikes from mountain to road to townie. An expert from Easy Rider Bike Shop will be the guide through the process. The drop-in clinic will take place on Saturday, July 24th from 2 to 5 p.m. on the lower terrace of the library. Registration is available at telluridelibrary.org. A proposal to create a civilian climate core is moving forward in both chambers of Congress. On Tuesday, 80 congressional representatives signed onto a letter urging the inclusion of the CCC in legislation to determine next year's national budget. KGNU's Shannon Young has more. 
The Civilian Climate Corps calls for a New Deal-style jobs program to combat the climate crisis. Senator Chris Coons of Delaware says it draws on the history of the New Deal, as well as the modern-day structure of AmeriCorps. As our nation was coming out of the Great Depression, President Roosevelt created the WPA and the first CCC. And these created opportunities, pathways to tackle urgent needs in our society and country at that point in time. So too now, as we begin to come out of the COVID pandemic, we can turn to an existing, trusted nationwide platform for us to make real the bold vision of the CCC, the new Civilian Climate Corps. The platform I'm talking about is AmeriCorps, 25 years old, currently serving in every single state and territory in our country, with 75,000 AmeriCorps members who've responded to the pandemic, who've helped respond to hunger and to joblessness, to the opioid crisis and to other challenges facing our country. One of the CCC's biggest proponents in Congress has been Joe Neguse of Colorado's 2nd District. He wants to take what worked from the original New Deal era model while correcting its deliberate exclusion of women and people of color. Uh, one of the original civilian climate, excuse me, civilian conservation corps camps is in my district uh, in Colorado. I had a chance to tour it not that long ago. Uh, it's not lost on me that someone who looks like me wouldn't necessarily have been able to participate in the program of the 1930s, which was, uh, which excluded uh, a vast majority of our society. And I think the focus on equity and equality and uh, the, the focus, I think, that permeates all of our different proposals to try to recruit uh, minorities and, and women and a broad spectrum of Americans into this program is what makes this so exciting. Raging wildfires across the West underscore the urgency of land stewardship. Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon says that if the Civilian Climate Corps existed today, its members could get to work immediately to clear out the wreckage of past wildfires, which currently pose risks. Now today in Oregon, there are millions of acres of dead materials in our forest that are a magnet for catastrophic fire. It is the same thing in Colorado. It's the same thing all over the West. These are dangerous, unnaturally thick fuels. And if we go in there and clear them out, we can protect our communities. So it's a four alarm fire, literally and figuratively. And we want with this important bill and the great partners that we have in it, we want the federal government to be much more aggressive about fire prevention. They can do it now. That's what this bill does. Unlike its predecessor, the proposal for the modern CCC includes plans for urban residents as well. People from communities like mine in the South Bronx do not enter AmeriCorps, not because they don't want to serve, but because they can't afford to serve. New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says around half of the 1.5 million jobs the program aims to create will be for city dwellers. That is how we're going to combat this and combat it together. 50 percent, 50 percent of our funding is ensuring to make is, is uh, going to making sure that this is not just going to our national parks and funding uh, climate core members to our national parks, but in urban communities as well to face environmental injustices. And so we're not just having half of that 
investment going to underserved communities, but recruiting people from underserved communities in order to serve and restore our land. And so I cannot be you know, more thankful to have so many partners in this endeavor to ensure that we restore and we re truly revitalize our, our programs and spirit of, of public service because young people want this work. It is not just dignified, it is not just productive, but it is purposeful and meaningful. The representatives speaking at Tuesday's press conference seemed confident the Civilian Climate Corps measure would pass within the budget reconciliation bill. Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez said it wasn't a matter of if, but how. For the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition and KGNU, I'm Shannon Young. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for showers and thunderstorms tonight with a low around 50 degrees. There is a flash flood watch in effect. Saturday, showers and thunderstorms are likely with a high around 70 during the day and a low around 50 at night. Sunday, there is a chance of showers and thunderstorms with a high near 70. Sunday night, showers and thunderstorms are likely with mostly cloudy skies and a low around 50 degrees. This has been the news for Friday, July 23rd. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 728-3206.